Well, if we stay with the, the theme of a news reporter bringing updates as to what's going on, I guess that makes me um, the talking head or analyst that comes up after the event to explain what just happened and what it means and why it matters and what's likely to happen next. Um, Andrew has just said we're not headed towards something anymore, we're here. And that is, in fact, the event. In ways that few people can appreciate or understand, what we need to understand is that the events that began in Genesis 3 reach their culmination when we come to Holy Week. Now, the apostles did not get this at the time. They were confused to them going into Jerusalem at the time of the Passover was a risky move that ends up not working. And in order to understand how risky it is, you have to remember what the Passover was and to have some idea of how kinetic the environment would be at that particular moment, right? The original Passover was the event in which God had liberated the, the Jews from Egyptian captivity. Right? They, had been, they had been given the promised land at the time of Abraham. They're living there, but at the time of a drought, they moved under Jacob from, from Israel. They moved from the Middle East into Egypt. And there they initially enjoyed favor, and then they fell into slavery, and they're slaves for 400 years. And then God hears their cries and sends Moses to be the instigator for their release. And there are 10 plagues that then happen. And the last plague was a visit by the angel of death who claimed the life of every firstborn male in a family. But in a move that was, again, profoundly symbolic, and in this case, foreshadowing what Jesus would do, the Jews were instructed to take a young, unblemished male lamb and to kill it and to use its blood to paint over the doorpost so that when the angel of death came to that house, it would pass over that home. Now, there's a lot more to the story than that, but um, that did help liberate the Jews. And so every year at the time of the Passover, there would be a celebration. This celebration had gone on for over a thousand years. The Jews had recreated the events leading up to their liberation from Egyptian slavery. They would gather in Jerusalem for this big party. It was the biggest day of the year. It was, it was Christmas. It was the 4th of July. It was Memorial Day. It was all of those days in one. And it was a time of great national pride and patriotism. And they would come together in Jerusalem, right, to, to remember that God had freed them from bondage. Well, the irony about this particular year when Jesus is there is that they're not free. They're not subject to Egyptian overlords, but now it's the Romans that are in charge. And so they have all this patriotism, all this zeal, all this belief that we're God's people, we should be free. And God has delivered us in the past. And so Jerusalem is a, is, a, is a tinderbox. It's a powder keg. It's waiting for a spark that will set it off. And the Romans know this. That's why Pilate is there. He didn't live in Jerusalem. He has come at the time of the Passover to be on hand to put down any revolution. And they fear Jesus most of all because his popularity is sky high. And when he rides in on a donkey in a very political act of defiance, 
right? Rome goes on high alert. Palm branches were a flag during the time of Israel's freedom, during the intertestamental period. This is a very, this is everything the Romans feared. And when Jesus then goes in on Monday into the temple and starts overturning the tables, and on Tuesday when he goes back to the temple and begins to teach and to heal in the temple courts, right? To do the kinds of things that are not happening in the temple. This is a move against the Jewish religious authorities. They now want Jesus killed. So this is, this is a time where the tension is at an all-time high. And, and the, the disciples look at what's going on and they see trouble at absolutely every turn. They are not going to understand what is ultimately happening until after Christ's death and his resurrection and he explains it to them. Right? Remember, after his resurrection, before his ascension, 40 days later, he visits with the apostles and he explains things. And during that time, he clearly takes them back and says, remember in Genesis 3, God said he was going to send someone to defeat evil. Well, remember in Genesis 12, God said that that someone was going to come through the bloodline of Abraham. I'm that someone. And he shows them how the entire Old Testament is a big, long story that is leading to him. The Bible is about Jesus. The Old Testament points forward to Jesus. We put that slide up. The Old Testament is pointing forward to Jesus. The New Testament starts with the Gospels, which is the story of Christ's life. And so we, we have the Gospels, and that's followed by the book of Acts, which is the first 30 years of the church. And then we have the epistles, all the letters that were written by the apostles to various Christians, leaders, to churches. And then we have the book of Revelation. But, but the, basically, everything after the life of Christ in the New Testament is pointing back to the Gospels. And then in the Gospels themselves, what we have is everything pointing to Holy Week. Everything pivots around this week, this week of weeks that is kicked off by the triumphal entry and leads up to his crucifixion and to his resurrection. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Um, As was already explained by Jamie, this year we're, we're asking you to walk through this week with us in ways we haven't in the past. We have four powerful services that are coming up. On Thursday at at the Highland Park campus at seven o'clock, we have a professional group of actors that are putting on a dramatic recreation of the Last Supper in a contemporary setting. This is the night that Jesus changes the Passover celebration into Holy Communion. This is the night where he takes this this event that has gone on for over a thousand years that is ultimately pointing to him, but nobody got that until on that night he says, this bread is my body, which is given for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. He shows that everything that was happening was pointing forward to him. He is the true Passover lamb. That service will happen on Thursday evening. On Friday, we will have... A time of, of open communion here, 1 to 3 o'clock. You can stop by, look at the Stations of the Cross, and 
participate in communion. On Friday evening, we will have a Good Friday service that, that will be somber. It's different than what we've done in the past, but it will continue to focus on the seven last words of Christ, and it will end in darkness and silence. Then on Saturday, we will have two services, 5.30 at this campus and, and 8 o'clock at the Highland Park campus. In the past, our Saturday night service on the, the Saturday before Easter has been an Easter service, right? It's been our normal Saturday evening service. We've said, He is risen. We've sort of jumped ahead and claimed that somewhere in the world it's already Easter morning and we're just getting a head start. We're going to do something very different this year. We're going to have an Easter vigil. This is a service that will start in darkness, where the cross represents an instrument of torture and death, where it looks like the Roman Empire has won again, where it looks like evil has triumphed. And then during that service, it will get progressively lighter as we come to see the cross as, as an instrument of our redemption. As the cross is the place where God's wrath was satisfied in Jesus and we gain forgiveness and eternal life. And then on Easter morning, we will have uh, services that begin with a sunrise service at Lake Forest Beach at 6 o'clock in the South Pavilion. And then we'll have services at 7.30, 9, 9.01, 11.00, 11.01 at this campus and the 10 o'clock service at Highland Park. And that will be a celebration uh, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the exclamation point onto his life. It is a, it is a confirmation that everything he claimed and taught was true. He conquered death. So I want to encourage you to lean into those four services. I want to encourage you to invite your friends. Easter morning in particular is a service ideal for seekers and skeptics. And if your friends can join you on Easter morning, I want to encourage you to come to whatever service works best for them. If not, I would certainly want to direct you as best I can towards either the 7.30 a.m. service or the 9.01 service where we have lots of room and uh, away from the 11 o'clock service where we don't have so much room, but uh, we want you to show up whenever you show up. The week to end all weeks is, um, has begun. It's a triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. We are going to let this unfold as it, as it begins to descend down towards the death of Christ in our place on Friday. I invite you uh, to participate with us. Let me pray for us.